This is Crossroads with Clayton King. You're going to get to experience something really special in this message because my wife Shari joins me on the stage at the Cove Church uh, there in the Lake Norman area of North Carolina, a really special church I've had a relationship with for a long time. And we're doing a Sunday morning message together on marriage and how marriage is a reflection of the love of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Shari and I have been in ministry together now for 24 years. We absolutely love being able to serve together, especially in local church context. So enjoy this message from my wife and myself on the beauty of marriage. Good morning. Happy Sunday. I love you people. I love this area. I love the lake. And I love this woman. Would y'all please welcome my girlfriend? This is Shari, and uh, we've been dating for 20 years. Uh, Today also happens to be our wedding anniversary. Yeah, we're with you guys on our wedding anniversary. We're celebrating 18 years, four months, and 22 days today. That's how you do it, guys. Just a word of advice. Just keep up with dates. And so I wanted to bring my wife with me. She's never been to the Cove before. Uh, You've heard me talk about her. She's not a fictitious character. She's real and a great kisser, by the way. I love my wife. And one of the favorite things about my life, of all the things I've ever enjoyed doing, I love to preach. I I love to, to share the gospel. I love to travel. And for the last 18 years, I've been doing this with my wife. And there there's nothing that brings me more joy than to be able to do ministry with her. Because one of my mentors told me something early on in ministry. He said, you can do ministry without a wife as a single guy. You can do ministry with a wife as a married guy. He said, but you cannot do ministry against a wife. And so we work together because we're a team, we're partnered in ministry, and what we wanted to do today, you know, usually when I come to the Cove, I stand up here on the stage, I open up the Bible, and I preach, and uh, we're going to do it a little bit differently today because we're going to have a conversation, and we hope that all of you will be able to get something of value out of our conversation, whether you are single and you're hoping and praying that God will bring somebody into your life real soon. By the way, if you meet someone today at church, that you eventually marry, we just want to go ahead and tell you that you're welcome. Like, we're here for you. We're here to serve you and bless you and make your life better. Um, If you're single and you're looking for someone or you're praying for God to bring that person to you, I think you're going to get some value out of this message today. If you're married and you've been married for a year or 50 years, we believe that this is going to be a conversation that will bless you. Or if you're single again and you've lost a mate, either through divorce or death, that doesn't mean your life is over. This is for you as well. Um, Marriage is not the thing that defines us. Marriage is actually not the greatest thing in life. A relationship with Jesus is the greatest thing in life, okay? And I know some of y'all want to clap, so I'm going to go ahead and give you permission if you want to. Um, I'm one-third Baptist, one-third Presbyterian, one-third Pentecostal, so feel free to say amen or shout or wave a flag or run the aisle if you want to while we're up here. We wanted to uh, read a passage of scripture to you very quickly from Matthew chapter 19. What we want to do today is, if you're taking notes, the title of the message is very simple. The measure of your marriage. 
We want to talk about the measure of your marriage, whether that's your current marriage or your future marriage. And some of you actually may have the gift to be single. And if God's called you to be single for life, that's a great gift. And God will give you the grace to glorify Him through your singleness. But we want to talk today about the measure of your marriage because in our lives, here's the thing, we measure the things that matter. We count the things that count, so we need to be able to measure our marriage, but not in a judgmental way. We know that the next 25 minutes or so for you is going to hopefully be helpful and encouraging as we give you three very simple and biblical ways that you can not only measure your marriage, but that you can also um, make your marriage a healthier thing for you and for your spouse, because we're going to show you from Matthew 19 that in a marriage there actually aren't two of you. There's only one of you. There are two of you trying to become one. In Matthew chapter 19, verses 1 through 6, Now when Jesus had finished these sayings, he went away from Galilee and entered into the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And large crowds followed Jesus, and he healed them there. And Pharisees came up to Jesus and tested him by asking, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? Now, there's some context to that. Moses had allowed in the law for divorce because of the hardness of people's hearts back 2,000 years prior to this event. And the Pharisees, trying to trip Jesus up, they want to know if it's still okay for a man to divorce his wife for, all, for basically no reason. Listen to how Jesus answered that question. He answered them and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. He's quoting from Genesis. So they are no longer one. They're, they're, they're no longer two, but now one. What God has joined together, Jesus said, no one should separate. So from the very beginning of creation, Jesus is allowing these Pharisees to, to see behind the curtain from God's point of view, God's intention was always that a man and a woman should be married and that these two hard-headed, stubborn, rebellious, sometimes selfish, moody, and prone to anger kinds of people could feel the gospel take root in their life as these two individual people lay down their rights to what they want and by the power of the Holy Spirit in them actually become one flesh and here's the great mystery of marriage it is a symbol of the relationship that Jesus Christ has with the church he is called the bridegroom and the church is called the bride. So one of the things that we've learned in our marriage is that God wants to not only change us individually, but God wants to bring us together as one flesh so that we think with one mind and we love with one heart and God is constantly forcing us because of our selfishness, because of our pride, because of our sin. He is always pushing us closer together as he draws us closer to himself. And that's the first point we want to give you you. That if you want your marriage to last and you want your marriage to count, Christ 
has to be the center of your marriage. And we're still learning that after 18 years. Right. Um, when we first met, it was kind of like two trains just colliding because our personalities were so different and the things that we were insecure about just seemed to um, meet each other head on. But we really did love each other, but our, our communication and the way that we did life was so different. Clayton was a country boy, um, grew up farming. Sometimes I would go and visit his family and his grandfather would make jokes about farming stuff. And I didn't know anything about it because I grew up in Atlanta. And so he would make fun of the fact that I locked my car in my driveway. And I would, um, I don't know what I made, maybe overalls. I made fun of the fact that he preached in overalls. So anyway, um, sometimes you just don't opposites attract you say when you're dating and then sometimes when you're married all of a sudden opposites start attacking and so to become one flesh you have to learn who each other are and as you learn who each other are it really does take Jesus to help us to overcome things like unforgiveness or resentment or not necessarily getting along on some days and so um, I wanted to read this scripture because I believe that this is a great picture of what it means for Christ to be the center of our marriage I know that a lot of times when we are in the church we think about how to serve God and it's very epic to think about how to serve the body of Christ or how can we put ourselves second we are just singing uh, songs about God being first and we're willing to give up everything for him but when we're called to be married we're called to also serve one another and submit to one another just like Christ did and so that's what does that look like practically because a lot of times we see people in marriages and even ourselves fighting over our own rights for things and that's why marriages fall apart sometimes and so in Romans 12 it says love must be sincere hate what is evil cling to what is good be devoted to one another and love honor one another above yourselves Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And then if you skip to verse 21, it says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And the reason that I read all of these things is because I feel like sometimes when our marriages don't seem to be working, which we go in and try to fix one another, we're looking for what's wrong in the other person and trying to either sneakily tell them or just throw up a billboard, (laughs) flashing lights, you're the problem, (laughs) this is what's going on here. And so, but I believe that if we can turn our perspective toward the Lord, these verses apply to marriage. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. What is good in your marriage? What is going wrong? Both of you need to hate that thing and like try to overcome it together. Um, It says never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Is your spiritual walk with your wife or your husband still have zeal or 
are you lacking? Have you just kind of gone into monotony as far as your relationship with the Lord and each other? Um, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction. So all of these things, are you being hospitable? Are you serving Christ together? And so I think sometimes when we have problems in our marriage, we're looking to just fix one another when really probably what we need to do is focus on the Lord and start serving other people instead of looking inside and wondering what we're not getting out of our marriage. And I think when you serve the Lord together, that selfishness maybe that rises up and you're, you don't want to be selfish, but it just happens. It's like what Paul talks about when he says, I'm doing the things I don't want to do, and the things I do when I do, I don't do. That's so frustrating. But in marriage, if we can turn that perspective off of ourselves and put it back on Christ, that's the way that we become one. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this message that Shari and I shared at the Cove Church. Speaking of Shari, she's one of our speakers here at CKM. Shari and I love doing marriage conferences together, like the one you're listening to right now. But we also have 14 total speakers, both male and female. If you're ever interested in booking Shari and I for an event for a Sunday morning at your church, if you want Shari to come and speak at a women's event, or if you're interested in having an evangelist or a speaker for your D-Now weekend or your student outreach or your evangelistic event, or your pastor just has a Sunday off and needs someone to come fill in while he's on vacation, just reach out to us at claytonking.com speakers. That's claytonking.com speakers. And we'd love to send one of our speakers or me and Shari to your church. Now, Back to the message on marriage. Look, we all pay attention to what's going on in our world. It is almost impossible to see any, um, in any media at all, an example of a good, healthy marriage. I mean, just look at the stuff that entertains us. The things that sell tickets to the movies, the shows that people like to watch are the shows with drama where people fight, where people cheat, where people are running around each other. If you really want to have a healthy marriage, you're going to have to starve that that part of you, and you're going to have to feed your spirit by looking to Christ. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ is the only hope for a marriage in this day and age, and really it's always been this way, to actually make it and thrive. So what we've decided to do is, as we focus on Jesus in our marriage, and as we build our marriage on the foundation of Christ, it means that there are some other things that we just won't do. What we've decided to do is not live our lives selfishly for our own desires, even though we still fight those desires and we fight those temptations, but we've decided to submit everything to the Lordship of Christ in our marriage. Everything. Which leads us to the second point. When Christ is the center of your marriage, it is easier to really get good at number two, and that is communication. Communication is essential as a measure of your marriage. I was thinking about this morning. We we got up and um, Shari didn't sleep well last night. I fall asleep in eight seconds flat. I just want you to know, I'm snoring in eight seconds. She's talking to me. Last night, she's reading this book about the Enneagram personality test, and she's brushing her teeth, and she's psychoanalyzing our kids and psychoanalyzing herself, and she's like, which one do you think you are? Do you want to take the test? And I'm like, "Uh because I'm already asleep. She didn't sleep well last night. She was awake from one to four, and on our way over here this morning in the truck, driving to the Cove Church. We just reached across the little console in the truck and we just took each other's hand and we prayed for each other. 
I prayed for her. She prayed for me. That doesn't happen overnight. We've been practicing that for 20 years. When Christ is the center of your marriage, it makes it easier to communicate about how you feel. But a word of caution before I hand off to Shari. Just know this, that even with Jesus Christ as the center of your marriage, you're going to have to work hard. You're going to have to show up early, stay up late, break a sweat, and probably work on the weekend to figure out how your spouse communicates. Because we are so completely different. I told Shari early on in our marriage, quit giving me hints. This is not a murder mystery. It's a marriage. Tell me exactly what you feel. Tell me exactly what you want. I'm a puppy. Train me to be the man you want me to be. Yep. And I hear some men and some women clapping right now. It's so crazy because I never thought that I was giving hints. I thought that I was speaking very clearly about some of the things that I was saying, and then it just didn't seem like things were panning out, like presents that I wanted when I would say, wow, I really like this pair of earrings in this magazine that you can get from this store and then I didn't get it for Christmas I'm wondering what's going on so the other day I actually gave him one of the earrings that I lost I said here's an earring I lost one of them I really like this one if you want to go here and buy it for me for my birthday I love it and so that's a little bit that's how he needs to hear things and I believe communication is one of those things that you learn over the years. In fact, um, just the other day, I learned something about Clayton that I didn't know, and I was surprised that I still didn't know it after 18 years. So you guys could probably tell us even longer stories of finding something out about your spouse that you didn't know after years and years of marriage. But that's the fun about communication. And and really, the Bible's like that. The more you read it, the more you learn, because you're a person that's changing, and you're not the same person that you were when you first got married. And so after 20 years, I've become a different person. I've changed, and so has he. And so if you don't communicate along the line as you're changing, you're going to lose one another in the midst of it. And that's the last point that we wanted to go into is that the third thing that we really believe that is important in marriage is to make sure that you have a good connection, to work on your connection. That that is one of the most important things ever. And so... When my kids were born, obviously, they're babies. They couldn't talk. They came out of the womb. I didn't understand them. They didn't understand me. But now my 14-year-old is a teenager, and we've worked really hard to try to understand each other. And I'm going to tell you, if I hadn't worked so hard, I would have felt like he had just railroaded me all my life because he is a super confident kid, and he knows what he wants, and he knows how to get there. And I am not that kind of person in the same way and so I've had to learn how to connect with him so that I don't lose him so that we don't lose our intimacy so that we actually have a relationship it's the same thing with my husband we have to work on learning how to connect and if you don't work on that connection if you don't if you don't talk about what it is that you're learning in the Lord, then you'll lose each other along the way. You could lose each other from maybe a tragic circumstance happened in your, in your marriage. Maybe there was a death in the family. Maybe there was something that happened that caused you to, to close up and not feel like you could connect anymore. Maybe you hurt each other. Yeah. 
Maybe you had, you know, I know a lot of families who lose a child, and that's really hard and difficult. So talking through that instead of just shutting one another off. There are so many things in life that can cause you to lose your connection with your spouse. Sometimes it's just delving into your kids instead of working on your relationship with one another. Sometimes it's diving into your work or your career and competing with one another to see who can be more successful. There are so many things that can break us apart. But that's why I love the passage in Romans 12 because in verse 21 it says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And I feel like that's what we're called to do in our marriages. We're to call to overcome the evil that comes in together as a team with the good things that God promises. You know, marriage is a gift, but I think we forget it. Yeah. And maybe it's because we have assumptions that, that it's going to be something that it's not. Marriage is about making us holy, not necessarily happy, but I believe that happiness comes as a result of you both chasing holiness. Yeah. So if you are both chasing holiness together and you're willing to submit to one another and you're willing to submit to the Lord's work in your life and you're communicating about it, then your marriage is going to overcome evil with good. Yeah. And that's what I believe the Lord has given us the privilege to reflect who he is by doing this in marriage and when people look at your marriage and they say I see God in that you're preaching the gospel to a world that doesn't believe in marriage anymore right our world does not believe that marriage can work or is good and so we have a calling to work on this thing and to make it work and we can do it it just means that we have to learn to connect, learn to communicate, and really keep Christ the center. And guys, some of the ways that we've learned to connect with each other, we have to stay connected. We're both busy. She travels and speaks. We, we both write books. Um, we're constantly on the go. Um, what we've learned to do to connect is we talk to each other. We look at each other in the face. We make eye contact. We read each other's facial expressions. We go on dates together. Um, we go on vacations just the two of us. We spend the money and get someone to take care of our kids and our dog. We have a dog. We have a toy poodle. I cannot believe I just admitted that. But we pay somebody. We have a toy poodle. To take three or four. I love it. But you know, honestly, all kidding aside, you figure out what your spouse enjoys and you just do it with them. If your wife likes to go to art galleries, go to art galleries with her. If your husband likes to go to tractor pulls, let him go. <laughs> you know? <laughs> For us to connect, we have to turn our phones off. For us to connect, we have to turn off Netflix. For us to connect, we have to go to bed a little bit earlier so we can lay in bed and talk to each other about our day, about the day coming up, about where our kids are. For us to connect, we have to say no to lots of other opportunities so we can say yes to going to see a movie on a Tuesday night or going out to eat at a restaurant on Thursday night, just the two of us. Do whatever it takes to connect with each other because I promise you, when a marriage falls apart, I can trace it back to a break in the connection. Marriages don't end because someone had an affair or because of money problems. Marriages get in trouble because there's a breakdown in the connection. And there's usually a breakdown in the connection because there's a breakdown in communication. And there's usually a problem in communication when we move away from Christ being the center. Just want to encourage you to stay connected to each other and to Jesus Christ in your marriage. This is not just wisdom from the Bible. 
Harvard University literally just finished a study where they proved that statistically, if you get married today, you've got a one in two chance of getting divorced. But if you get married today and you do these three things, you go to church regularly with your spouse, you pray together with your spouse, and you talk about spiritual things together as a married couple, your chances of divorce go from one in two to one in 1100. I'm gonna say that again. If you will talk about spiritual things, go to church regularly and pray together with your spouse, your chance of divorce goes from one in two to one in 1100. Friends, I just have to tell you, the statistics don't lie. The best way to build a strong marriage is to build that marriage on the person of Jesus Christ and be connected to your local church. Make church a priority in your marriage, and it's much easier to stay connected. It's much easier to communicate. It's much easier to handle conflict. It's much easier to just get along because you have invited Jesus Christ into that relationship, not just as a part of the relationship, but as the cornerstone of your marriage. Hey, I hope this message has been encouraging to you. Thank you for taking time to listen. And I pray that God has spoken something real to your heart. If you'd like to hear this message again, send it to a friend, or learn how to take a next step in your walk with Jesus, check us out at ClaytonKing.com. Oh, 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 oh